Hear me? Oh, yes. Apparently by Tuesday it'll be a lot colder. <laughs> well, I don't believe it. We miserable, aren't we, our Brits? And we want it to be rain, it's sunny. When it's sunny, we want it to rain. I don't know. Well, have you had a good summer? Yes. Yeah? Oh, it's good. So have I. And um, we're in that time, that new season, where everybody uh, changes class if you're at school. Um, and some of them change schools, people going to university, new jobs and new things that are going on. And maybe you think, well, OK, Martin's going to give us a new message this morning. Well, yes, I am. But actually, what I want to encourage us this season, and I have two words. I want to it's be ready and watchful. And these are the words that I'm... Oh, Daniel wants the fan. Right, OK. Yes, yeah, for everyone. Yeah, yeah, Daniel. It just angles itself over there quite a bit. <laughs> Oh, it's coming round. It's okay. There you are. You get a little bit blessed in the front there. So yeah, we're to, I want to talk about uh, being ready. So let's turn to four to, sorry, 2 Timothy chapter 4, and we're going to read from verse 1. It should come up on the screen. Just organise myself here. Get that there. I don't need the phone. So Timothy chapter 4, 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse uh, 1 to 8. I charge you therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ who will judge the living and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. We're going to hear that a lot this morning. Convince, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and teaching. For the time will come when they will not endure such doctrine but according to their own desires because they have itching ears they will heap up for themselves teachers. And they will turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to fables. But be watchful. You can hear that too. In all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. Now, I don't know, but if you ever written a last letter to a dear friend, what would you write? And here we have Timothy being written to by Paul, his protege, his uh, son of faith. And in chapter 4, Paul gives Timothy a series of solemn exhortations, encouraging him to be faithful to the truth about God and Jesus Christ. And Paul commands Timothy to be ready in season and out of season. And the whole command is this, as we've just read, I charge you therefore before God, and the Lord Jesus Christ, who will judge the living and the dead, at his appearing and his kingdom, preach the word, be ready in and out of season, convince, rebuke, exhort, with all long-suffering and teaching. Now the word ready comes from the Greek word stand. And the idea is to always be standing by, always on duty, ready to go. The world also carries a connotation of urgency, in the original language. A good example might be a, son, a soldier, for instance, standing to attention, attentive and ready to assist at a moment's notice. And Timothy was to be ready in season and out of season, constantly prepared to do whatever God is calling him to do. In the original language, the word for in season and out of season is timely or untimely or perhaps better for us is convenience or inconvenience. 
By being ready in season and out of season, Timothy is prepared to engage in actions Paul specified to preach the word, correct, rebuke and encourage. And Timothy was to do these things whether it was convenient or not. And in every circumstance, he should be ready to proclaim God's truth. It was his job as a pastor, regardless of his personal feelings or his audience reaction. What about us today? Well, like Timothy, we are commanded to always be ready for God's work, can't we? Turn with me, if you will, to uh, 1 Peter 3. I just realised I didn't give you these scriptures. You won't have them up there. <laughs> Don't worry. 1 Peter 3, verse 15. And it says, But sanctify the Lord your God's heart. In your hearts, sorry, the Lord your God in your hearts, and always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you a reason for the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. We always need to be ready. We always need that. Turn with me to Galatians 1, sorry, no, uh, Corinthians first. 1 Corinthians chapter 16 and verse. 13. Watch. Stand fast in the faith. Be brave. Be strong. And then turn to Galatians. Galatians chapter 6. I think my Bible's the same as Ken's. The books start moving, keep moving around. Uh, sorry. That's. Ephesians again, that's why it doesn't look right. I'll get there, I will. Uh, Sorry, Galatians chapter 6, verse 9 and 10. And let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. So do not lose heart. Therefore, as we have the opportunity, let us do good to all, especially those who are the household of faith. Who's the household of faith? Us, the body of Christ. You know, and sometimes we forget we need to be to one another, encouraging one another shortly. It's easy to clock in and out of um, our faith and believing that we represent God at church, but perhaps not through the week. And this is not the option for Timothy. It's not an option for us either. If you're a Christian... As it says in 1 Peter 2 verse 9, you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Whether we're speaking to a crowd or we're changing a tyre, we need to be ready in and out of season to declare his praises, truth to watching the world. Preach the word. Timothy, particular, his particular calling is to preach the word. The word is the truth of the Bible. It is the scripture that Paul describes just a few verses before in chapter 3, verse 16 and 17. Inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Timothy is to preach the word that the Bible to whom he ministers the Bible to whom he ministers may 
people he means. I'm sorry, let me just read that completely again. Timothy is to preach the word that the people to whom he ministers may receive the real benefit of the word he provides. And the Greek word translated is logos. In Greek philosophy, it meant more than the generally, which generally conveys in English. It included the idea of meaning and purpose for life. John says in, it is the, he's the logos. And if you want to know more about Logos, a couple of weeks ago, a few weeks ago, Ken was speaking about the Logos and the Rima word. But we need to be ready in and out of season. And for Timothy, it's not to exercise his gift of min- to minister to others just when it's convenient, but sometimes it's when it's inconvenient. And... Um, as I shared a little bit last week, when Liz and I were away for a, a marriage retreat just recently, and we had a lovely time, and in the evening you had they had some drinking chocolate, so um, and we just happened to be in our room, and I said I'm going to go down and get some drink chocolate. So Liz said I'll come with you. I hadn't done my shoes up, you know. It is going downstairs. Liz says you'll trip if you don't do your shoes, shoelaces up. But anyway, we went down and. Uh, had a drink in chocolate, and we, this lovely area at the bottom of the stairs, there were two or three couples, and we just sat down and started drinking, well, I was drinking the chocolate with them. An hour and a half, maybe two hours later, we'd been ministering to them. And I want to say to you, that's being ready in and out of season. We thought we'd be just two minutes and back upstairs. But it's being ready. We had a wonderful time. We made friends with these people and we're going to be staying in touch with them. But, you know, it was interesting. Uh, at the beginning of the weekend, as you can imagine, people were going around and asking how long you've been married, this, that, and the other. One said 10 years and 16 and this. And how many you've been married? 40. And I went, why are you here? You know, you've been married 40 years. So these guys, they wanted to know what it was. And so we were able to share God's love with them. And I believe that's what we need to be. When, we're, when we're, Timothy's talking, or Paul's talking to Timothy about being ready, it's being ready to share God's love. Sometimes I think we're under a misconception that it's, we've all got to be the evangelist that goes out onto the street and is declaring the gospel. Like this, whatever it is, we have a picture in our mind. But we all share it in different ways. Be ready in and out of season. Reproof. It carries the connotation of charging or admonishing. And it's to admonish people to do what is honourable as well as to admonish them to avoid doing what is dishonourable. Exhort, well this can be translated to encourage or beseech. It's the idea of rallying people, getting their attention for their own good. And then we have with all great patience and instruction, it says in the NIV, uh, and in the New King James, long-suffering and teaching. See, all Timothy's efforts need to be with patience because Timothy's purpose is to benefit others. The goal is not to bend them to his will or to my will. The goal is to show them the path that leads to their best interest, to their benefit. And throughout Scripture, any time God's men were instructed to preach, to teach, to proclaim, to instruct or admonish. They are instructed to do so with the goal of seeing the lives of their hearers changed. 
I've had uh, many occasions where people have come to me, excuse me, after a message and said, that was a bit tough or a bit awkward. But you see, God gives us his word to change us and to draw us closer to him. But we have to make the first step. We have to want to change. And I believe that we can take what we learn on a Sunday and during the week we can share it with our co-workers, our neighbours, our families, our house groups. But just to perhaps emphasise this a bit more, it was interesting, I, I was thinking, God doesn't have a plan B. He has only a plan A. And it reminded me of what you're about to be played which is a man called Norman Barnes, who some of you will know, was preaching in America uh, some years ago, so it may sound a little dated in one sense, but it's, he was preaching and uh, this uh, guy called Jermaine Dupre took what he did and put it to these words. So I'm hoping you're going to play it.
Trudeau, live our lives, treat our wives, love our families, go to work tomorrow morning, all of that in the spirit. Go on, go on give it a clap. <laughs> Just when you think he's going to stop. I mean, I know it's quite old now, but there's a lot of truth in what Norman says there. Every day is the Lord's Day. And sometimes we just make it just Sunday. I mean, I was brought up that Sunday was the Lord's Day. And uh, we were surrounded the Lord's table and all of those things. And they're commendable and right in their own place. But every day is the Lord's Day. So be ready every day. You know, in the early 1950s, polio was one of the feared and crippling diseases of the world. Thousands of kids used to die from it every year and parents were even afraid to let their kids play outside in the summertime. I, I remember having the sugar cube with uh, the vaccine in it. There's a few people nodding. All right. But this burden of fear was lifted forever when it was announced that Dr. Jonas Salk had developed a vaccine against the disease. He became a household name overnight and he could have become a millionaire, I guess, and uh, patented it and become richer than his dreams. But, do you know, he had no desire to profit personally from his discovery. The only thing he cared about was getting the vaccine to as many people as possible, to save as many people as he could. And my prayer is that we feel the same about the gospel of Jesus Christ. If you have a relationship with the Lord, you have something that's far more powerful than a polio vaccine. Something that's wonderful. More wonderful than any of the medical discoveries. And since the gospel has changed our lives, we owe it to the rest of the world to pass it on. And that's how Paul felt. And that's why he says in Romans 1.14, I am obligated to both Greek and non-Greeks, both to the wise and the foolish. That is why I'm so eager to preach the gospel, also to you who are at Rome. In other words, because my life has been transformed by the power of God, because we are servants of Jesus Christ, we have an obligation to tell the whole world about it. We have a mission from God. <laughs> We have a mission from God to share the message of Jesus Christ. In fact, Paul says in Philippians 2 verse 16 that you and I are to shine like stars in the universe as we hold out the, world, the word of life. But you want to know something. To a certain extent, you practice, practice evangelism every day. By the way you live your life. There's an old poem that says this. Matthew, Mark, Luke and John are read by only a few. But the gospel people, sorry, the gospel people will read is the gospel according to you. All right, let me say that again. Matthew, Mark, Luke and John are read by only a few. But the one gospel people will read is the gospel according to you. If you live a life of integrity, if you love God with all your heart, if you love God with all your soul and with your mind and strength, and you love your neighbour as yourself, your faithful example will reflect Christ to the world. And just as we all want what is godly and best for our children, 
Paul wants that for the rest of the world. He wanted everyone to have a chance to hear the gospel. You know, I feel the same the way he does. When I hear about someone who uh, I know has given their life to Christ, it, it always it tends to bring, I get welled up and excited about it. Um, I remember I share a story that I've shared before, a manager who was with me when I ran my business for about 17 years. And um, in two of the years that I was running the business, I went to Bible school at Kensington Temple. When I came back, one day I was in my office and I was saying to the Lord, why has this lady not given her life to the Lord? She knew more about being a Christian than some Christians did because we would just be driving to clients and often be telling her things about Jesus. And then suddenly, into my mind, I had a picture of her hoovering. All right? And then I had a picture of her praying. And then, I don't know why, I just thought two weeks. I thought, why, is, why am I thinking so directly? Like, so I rang up. I nearly gave her a name. Made and I said, can you come upstairs to the office, please? And she came in. And um, I said, look, um, I just felt the Lord show me that you were hoovering, and she started to well up. And I said, you prayed. And I said, the other thing is two weeks. And she said, two weeks ago, I was hoovering, and I knew I needed to give my life to Jesus. And see, she, I mean, I'm getting me even now. You know, we cried for about an hour, because after 17 years, God had done something, you know. And uh, isn't that the case for you? You have got people, you've got friends and relatives that you're praying for, don't give up. You're a witness to them in everything you're doing. You're being ready in and out of season. may not feel like it sometimes, but it is. That's what you're doing. More than anything in the world, I want people I love to get saved. Do you know, I want them to see how beautiful their lives can be when they become totally sold out for the Lord. My prayer is that God will make all of us feel that way about people in our life, that our heart will be speared with the compassion of Christ and the lost. Now, in verse 3 and 4, it's interesting of this, but it says, For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap up to themselves teachers, and they will turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to fables. But you be watchful. Here we are, watchful. That's the other word I wanted to focus in. Watchful in all things, enduring affliction, doing the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. I just want to say something. Google is not the answer to everything. All right? If you haven't worked that out yet, I mean... And some of the things it comes up with are not even true, all right? And unfortunately, I hear um, not just young people, but older people too, they will watch uh, something that sounds good, sounds true, but they haven't checked it with the Word of God. And they'll say something, and I'll go, uh, where does it say this? Well, this guy says it. And I say, well, who is he? I say, well, I don't know. I say, well, why are you listening to him then? Check him out. You know, but more importantly, we need to be in this. Too many people want a word when they need the word. 
you know. We need to keep with this. We need to understand God has given us his Bible for our instructions. And sometimes, I mean, don't get me wrong, there is some wonderful teaching on the, the internet and it is very useful. But we need to be, what's the word I'm looking for? I don't know. Say again. Discerning, thank you. That's it. We do need to be discerning about these things. And I know I'm speaking to the converted on this, but, you know, around you people will be drawn. Keep your ears open. And if they're going there, just ask them, who is this person? Uh, Somebody actually came to me who was describing something, and I that's not right. And when we investigated, it was a cult. You know, now, not every case will be like that, but we need to be careful, don't we? What does it mean to be watchful? Some other translations have alert instead of watchful, and the original meaning can be both. And it could also mean to stay awake and be vigilant. And what are some of the practical ways to be watchful? Well, the first thing that came to my mind as I pondered this was the scenario of a watchman uh, over a person or a building or something that's valuable, a bit like a security guard, really. And that person, yes, needs to stay awake and be vigilant, but also they must be constantly on the lookout, particular, particularly for any dangerous signs or adverse events. In the natural, um, we can be aware of dangers, can't we? We, we see potential dangerous situations. When you're driving, you know, I'm often watching three or four cars ahead to see if they're braking and wanting to see if there's any drivers coming out this way, pedestrians and um, bumps in the road, potholes. You know, we, we look out for those general things. But as Christians, we should be more like the men of Issachar in 1 Chronicles 12, 32. It says, Men who understand the time, understood the times, and knew what Israel should do. Now, a good knowledge of biblical prophecy and understanding of how things play out in the end times is extremely helpful. Uh, it's helpful to know and at what stage we uh, are living in. And then to know what relevant action needs to be taken. However, as I thought about this, I realised how I should be relying on the wisdom and instruction of the Holy Spirit. It is only God who knows the future. He knows what we must face tomorrow and even throughout this very day. It reminds me of an old chorus. I know who holds the future and he holds it in his hands. With God things don't just happen, everything by him is planned. So as I face tomorrow with his problems large and small, I'll trust the God of miracles, give to him my all. Yeah, that was good. (laughs) I wasn't sure if I can remember all that. But yes, um, you know, an old chorus, but the words are so meaningful. We trust the God of miracles, you know. So in prayer, be watchful. We should always ask the Holy Spirit, what things of our future, or even in our nation's future, should we be aware of so that we can act accordingly? This is also why it's good to be part of church fellowship where the gifts are in operation because we're not meant to do these things on our own. We should be part of a fully functioning body. And in 1 Peter 5 verse 8, it says, Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. 
being watchful involves being aware of the devil's schemes and potential traps. Being watchful means staying alert and constantly vigilant. There's no time to take off as holiday. Even on holiday, you're, you're on duty. We are soldiers for Christ. We can't just take our armour off or disown it. We are permanently in God's kingdom. And so, as I've said earlier, it's being ready. But, you know, do you remember what Jesus was going through in, his, in the Garden of Gethsemane? Absolute agony to the point of sweating blood. And he asked his disciples on numerous occasions for them to stay and watch. They were to watch with him. What did they do? The opposite. They fell asleep. But no, Jesus was wanting them to be awake and alert and to pray with him. And he's still wanting his disciples of today to stay awake and pray to be watchmen and women for this generation so that we can be called, that we have been called to intercede for. To be watchful also means to be a state of readiness. Jesus said, keep watch because you do not know the day or the hour. And the foolish virgins in Matthew 25 were not prepared and their oil ran out. We need to ensure Watch and be careful that if the Lord were to return this very hour, that we be ready and that we'll not be ashamed or embarrassed and meet him on that day. I can remember being a uh, terrifying teenager. I know you may find that very hard to believe, this godly man. <laughs> but I was a terrifying teenager. And me and my mate, when my dad went, mum and dad went out for the day and my sisters were gone, you may remember, you have a hi-fi, and you used to remember those din plugs you put in, and you had, a, if I worked out, if I stripped my guitar lead and put one bit of wire in the middle, one bit in the other, I could play the guitar through my dad's hi-fi. And so we had this music blasting away, and in fact, around my mate's house, we did the same thing, and he had a really posh hi-fi, and I blew his dad's speakers I wonder if he'll be listening to that. Oh, dear. <laughs> but, you know, that was a long time ago. And, but, you know, we were having a great time bashing around, but we were always watching out and listening, just in case my dad and mum would come back, or if, in his case, we were at his house, for his mum and dad to come back. And are we living like that? Now, not in a sense of fear as such. That's not what I'm talking about. But always with one eye looking to the Lord's return. Watch that we are not deceived. Matthew 24, verse 4. Watch out for, and don't get involved with religion. Mark 8, 15. Watch out for false teachers. Mark 12, 38. Watch out for false prophets. Matthew 7, 15. Watch out and for and avoid all types of greed. Luke 12, 15. Watch out for false messiahs. Luke 21, 8. Watch the flock carefully if you've been called to be an overseer. Acts 20, 28 and 1 Peter 5, verse 2. Watch out for those who cause division and adhere to false teaching. Avoid them. Romans 16, verse 17. Watch out that you don't destroy, you, destroy yourself through infighting. Galatians 5, 15. Watch your life and teaching closely. 1 Timothy 4, 16. Watch out that you don't lose your reward in heaven. 2 John 1, verse 8. A lot of watch-outs there, isn't there? 
You know, I, I, I believe that in this new term, you know, if you look back at, um, say, um, uh, New Life, they've been going nearly 10 years or thereabouts, all right? And, um, you know, Phil and Caroline had a vision to plant there. Chase, we got behind the back of them, and they are, now they're thriving. And I, I believe we're in a season looking again. And, you know, I've been recently prayer walking in Chesant, as near as I can, once a week getting up there because I feel we're called to, to go there and to plant. And uh, yes, that's exciting. But if we are not ready in and out of season, we're not ready to go. We need to be ready. We need to be watchful. And I am excited about what God's got ahead of us. You know, if you go back just three years ago, we were meeting in the grammar school. And whilst, you know, uh, right now it would be quite nice because it was reasonably cooler in the summer, <laughs> all right, um, it wasn't our home. It was a place we went to on Sundays. This is our home. God's given it to us. But it's not full yet. The young people are out. There's still chairs here, plenty of chairs. We still have work to do. But I believe as we step out in some faith over this next year and look to plant again, I think we're going to see some amazing changes. Be exciting about it. Now, uh, I want to do something slightly different if I can. Can I ask you to stand? Thank you. As we approach this new term, I want us to be ready and to be watchful. But I'm going to declare something over us from Timothy. It says, I charge you, Chase Family Church, therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who will judge the living and the dead at, this, at his appearing and his kingdom, preach the word, be ready, in season and out of season, convince, rebuke, exhort, with all long-suffering and teaching. Now I'd like you to pray after me, if you would. Dear Heavenly Father, I love you so much. Thank you for dying on the cross for me. Thank you that you rose again on the third day. And I have eternal life by believing in you and trusting for your forgiveness. Father, I pray for this week that you will give me opportunity to be ready to share your love with someone. Now just be still for a moment. Just allow the Holy Spirit to bring to mind, maybe it's a work colleague, it's a friend, someone at the school gate that's just popped into your mind. or Maybe you've got nobody, that's okay, you can just... Ask the Holy Spirit to reveal, and I'm sure over the next day or so you'll find somebody. Because God wants us to take those opportunities. If I could just ask the band to play quietly for a minute. 